Hey, y'all. Welcome to Keeping It Real, the Gorham Homestead podcast, where we talk about real food, real natural living, the real art of natural healing, and real life out here on our Tennessee homestead. I'm your host, Dawn Gorham, and today is Monday, February the 19th, 2024, and you're listening to episode number 10. Our topic today is just going to be a homestead highlights update, just because I haven't um, done a podcast in the last couple of weeks. So I figured I better update y'all because there's been a lot of stuff going on around here. Um, first of all, I wanted to tell you where I've been. Uh, we have had some, a lot of things going on around here, but number one, it's been a family thing. My son has been uh, doing some very intense wrestling and it was the end of the season. He made it to regionals and sectionals. And so a lot of the times that I was supposed to be doing podcast stuff, we were doing wrestling stuff. And so you know how that goes. You you're, I only have so many hours left with my son before he graduates. You know, he's he's 16. He's a sophomore. He'll graduate in two years. And so I just want to, you know, soak it up. I want to take every minute that I can to enjoy him and to um, be there for those little moments. And so that's what we did. And so um, I guess I'm just going to jump right in and tell you what's been going on. So the Jersey Girls. Last time that T and I did a Homestead Highlights update, we were talking about the fact that we were trying to breed all four of our um, cows, our jerseys that are old enough. We had two, um, actually three ones that have calved before. And one little heifer that is just getting old enough to to breed. And so we did all of those at one time. And, of course, the snowstorm hit. And so my AI guy was not able to come and do the final step of the breeding process because he couldn't get here. Like, he couldn't get out of his driveway and couldn't get up mine. So we were three or four days past when we should have actually tried to remove the cedar and breed them. Um. But we, we got it done, and unfortunately, it was Tara's last chance. It was her fourth time to try to breed, and she didn't take. Last week, I saw her. Um, she was in heat, obviously in heat. She was mounting everybody. Everybody was mounting her, the steer. She was standing for the steer to mount her. So, unfortunately, we will not try to breed her again. I can't keep throwing good money after bad if it doesn't, you know, Joel, Joel Salatin would tell you after the second time to get rid of them, and I've gave, given her four chances. So, um, that being said, we have made an appointment with um, the processor, and she will go uh, to the processor in October. We're going to dry her up and try to let her put on some body condition condition before she goes. And I really think that's probably going to be the saddest day of my life here on the farm. She has been, she was my first cow, my first milk cow. You know, she taught me how to milk. I didn't, you know, teach her anything. And so I just don't know. It's really, really going to be emotional, but I have to. It's something that has to be done. I can't put her off on someone else because she has so many other problems. She has founder, you know, where their hoofs grow really weird. Um, she needs to have those trimmed. Haven't found anybody that could do that. Um, you know, she has, uh, she's hard. I can't get her bread. She's constantly cystic. 
Um, it's just one of those things. It's just, I, I can't do that to someone else. So she's going to the processor. We did get two new baby calves that I'm very excited about. They were three days old and I brought them home in the back of um, my SUV and they fit back there just fine. But their names are Valentine and Francesca. We're calling them uh, Valentine and Franny. Or I may call them Valley and Franny. I don't know. But they're just so adorable. They're doing really, really great. Um, the first couple days after I got them home, Valentine developed scours. And it scared me like I thought she was. And she wouldn't eat, which was the worst part. She had no interest in taking her bottle the next morning. Wouldn't even... Wouldn't even entertain it. Even I tried to hold her down, put it in her mouth. She didn't want any part of it. And I had to go to work at Tractor Supply that day. And some of the old timers were telling me, by the time you get home, that calf's going to be dead. So I had prepared myself for getting home and her being deceased. Um, I will say that that morning before I left, though, I did drench her with some um, really, really strong blackberry root tea. That I got downer and um, some apple cider vinegar mixed with a little water. And then um, I think I put some yogurt in water and mixed that up and tried to get some probiotics down or some of my homemade yogurt. And by the time I got home, she was fine. She was bouncing around. She was starving. She was ready for that bottle. So, and she's been fine ever since. I did go ahead and give her some electrolytes. Once she was ready, I gave her that bottle, and then a couple hours later, I gave her some electrolytes that I made here at home, and I got some of the bounce back from Tractor Supply and also gave her that as well as Franny, um, just to kind of make sure that they were doing okay, and they're growing. They are really, really gaining. They're doing great, and they're just sweet. Oh my goodness, they're adorable. One of them, turns out one of them is polled. She's not going to have horns. And the other one, unfortunately, she's got little horn buds. And we have a rule. There's no horns here on the farm. Do not want to get gored or even accidentally hurt or anything like that. So my method, because I don't feel comfortable using the horn iron, so I do paste. And as long as you keep them separated from any other cows for about six hours while that paste dries... It'll be fine. You don't want them to be with other cows or with other calves because with that paste on them, they can rub it on, you know, some underneath the cow or on their little herd mate, their little friend and burn them with that paste. So we're not going to do that. So that will be on um, what I'm going to do. One of the things I'm going to do this weekend. And Pris, so I turned them out today. For the first time into the field, they had been pinned up in the little holding pen. I feed them with their little bottles and they come and they just gulp it down in about 45 seconds. And today I decided it's such a pretty day. It is sunny and it's 60 degrees. And so I thought, I'm just going to turn them out in the field and let them play for a little bit because I feel like they'll come back to me when they're hungry for their bottle. I had no sooner turned those calves out in that field and Prissy... The same one that stole Scarlet's calf or tried to steal Scarlet's calf last year summons those little calves. And you can tell she was summonsing them like she was calling to them and turning her little body like, come and nurse off me. 
And sure enough, those two little calves went running to Prissy and started nursing off her like they'd been doing it their whole lives. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And she just stood there. She didn't try to kick them off. She didn't, she just like, yes, I want all the babies. And she still has a three-month-old steer on her right now. So she she certainly, I don't think she can support three, under three months, but I'm going to let her try. We'll see. Um, I'm definitely, I'm going to have to separate her at night though, or I'm not going to get anything from her. Uh, it was, she had one on each side. She was letting both of them go at the same time too. And the little steer that is her actual baby was standing back looking like, what is happening? And <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to play out. I do know that Prissy is a calf stealer though. And while it's fine right now, cause these calves don't have a mama, I don't know how that's going to continue to play out if other, like if Scarlett has another calf next year or if Prissy has another calf, I, I just don't know. So I'm going to have to kind of keep an eye on her because she tends to like to steal other people's babies. But And next on the, on the horizon is what's in the freeze dryer. So right now I am running a batch of um, bananas and apples through the freeze dryer and I got them sliced really, really thin. And what I'm doing them for is going to be for the wrestling team for next year because I noticed God love them while we were at these tournaments. What they bring for these kids to eat is like Uncrustables. I had never even seen Uncrustables, but they look disgusting and there's no way that it could possibly be good for them. They bring potato chips. They bring just sugar, 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 sugar. And nothing that's like healthy sugar either. I'm talking like pure processed, off the junk food aisle kind of stuff for these kids to eat. So I'm not having that next year. Next year, I'm going to have them some bananas and pickles and jerky and whatever else that I can drum up for them. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm running them something through the freezer. I'm starting to load up my... Load up my stores for them for next year. And on the horizon for us is today, I finally got around to um, updating the website, getting all the 2024 workshops for here at the cannery. And again, this year is our third season to be doing workshops. And gosh, it's one of my most favorite things in the world to do. But we're going to be doing uh, beginner canning again. We're going to be doing building your home apothecary, chicken butchering, um, beginner's home dairy, and a couple other things. But all that, I got all that updated and all the dates on the website today. I got the um, reservations or the where you can reserve your chickens and your turkeys on the website. So anybody that wants to get chickens and turkeys from us this year, uh, our dates for pickup for chickens will be the last weekend of May and first weekend of June. And then for the turkeys, it'll be the weekend before Thanksgiving. So we will get all of those processed around that time. I The high tunnel, we've been talking about getting the high tunnel fixed forever. I finally contacted um, Farmer's Friend today, where the high tunnel came from. And they are going to put me in touch with someone who's actually local here in my area that repairs them. So I'm really, really excited to get somebody to come and look at it, tell me what it needs, since we didn't put it together, 
Um, I know I can watch videos. I know that. Um, but since we didn't put it together, I don't know what it's going to take to fix it, if that makes sense. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we can get somebody to come and get all that put back together. And then we can utilize the high tunnel to do things like peppers and tomatoes and strawberries and, you know, whatever else that would really, really flourish in that high tunnel. Where the meat birds are going to arrive on March the 15th. So we've got to get the brooder ready. And we have a huge 10 by 10 brooder that's divided in half and it's in the barn. Problem is, right over where the brooder sits, the roof. The roof came off during a storm last year. And it's part, it's that real thin, clear roofing where daylight can come through. I think it's like fiberglass or something. So we got to get a piece of that put back on before we actually get the chickens, before we get the meat birds in. So that they don't get wet. There's a lot. Um, yeah, that's about all. And the turkeys, they'll come later. They'll come in like June, I think. Because we keep them 20 to 24 weeks. And I don't want them to get super huge until right before Thanksgiving. Things are about to start getting really busy around here for us. Um, this coming weekend, our Dixon County Homesteaders Alliance group meets. If you are a homesteader or of the prepping nature and you would like to find a group of people who are like-minded, I would encourage you to um, hook up with your local Homesteaders Alliance group. They are forming now everywhere all over Tennessee. And if, you know, if you can't find a group, form your own. I mean, it, I started ours and it didn't take much because you would be surprised how People are hungry for that kind of community and hungry for people that they know they can be themselves with and they don't have to worry about being politically correct or stepping on people's toes or hurting somebody's feelings or them thinking that they're weird because they put up food for the winter or whatever. And and so, you know, the all I had to do was just put out the word and it just has we're almost up to a thousand members of the Dixon County Homesteaders Alliance group. And I just started it like 14 months ago. And so it's it's just amazing. And we have so much fun together. Um, it's, it's such a great, um, it's just such a great feeling when everybody, you know, we can bounce ideas off of each other. We can talk about projects and sometimes people will have really good ideas and you know, some people will tell you how to accomplish or fix a problem that you may not have even thought about. And because they're doing the same sort of stuff you are, it really, really works, you know, works great. This weekend, we're having um, our demonstration is going to be distilling. We have a gentleman coming that's going to show the group how to, you know, distill and of course, it's for medicinal purposes so that we can make our homestead tinctures out of our herbs and stuff. That's why we're distilling, just so you know. Um, that makes it legal. And so that's what we're doing this weekend. It's going to be really neat. And if you're in our area, you know, even if you're not a member of our group, you're more than welcome to come. We would love to have you. Another thing that's going on is, um, let's see, April the 5th and 6th. Self-Reliance Festival. It is going to be a great festival. It gets better and it gets bigger 
every year. I don't know if we can ever top Joel Salatin. I mean, that's that was like huge having him. Um, and of course, having Jack Spearco of the Survival Podcast, that was that was like the highlight for me. I had already met Joel Salatin, so meeting Jack was even bigger for me than meeting Joel Salatin. That being said, it's coming up. Uh, the tickets are available on selfreliancefestival.com. And, or you can get them at the door, but that's not recommended. Uh, so just because they do sell out, just just know that. And if you are interested in um, helping with Self-Reliance Festival, I am the volunteer coordinator. Feel free to reach out to me because um, if you volunteer for two four-hour shifts, you will get your ticket reimbursed. And for some people that might not be able to afford the cost of going to the festival, you know, that might be a really great great way for you to be able to go and experience it, you know, and be able to get your money back. So just throwing that out there. Feel free to email me at info at thegormhomestead.com if you are interested in volunteering for the Self-Reliance Festival. We can always use volunteers. April the 20th, um, I will be doing a freeze-drying demonstration at the Tractor Supply here in Dixon. And I believe we're going to do that. It's starting at like 10 a.m. And there's going to be some reps there from Harvest Right. I think they're going to have some accessories. And I'm going to show you, you know, how easy it is to just set the freeze dryer, put your stuff in there, load it and go. And then I'm going to have some stuff that you can sample, taste, look at, feel, smell, touch, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited about doing that. And then... um I don't know off the top of my head the exact date, but I'm also going to be speaking at um, the Libertarian Party of Tennessee, their annual convention in Kingsport, Tennessee this year. I will not be talking about politics. I am strictly talking about homesteading and how homesteading relates to freedom. And so that's, that's a, I feel that that's a very important topic. And so that's what I'll be talking about at that particular convention. And I think that's, I think that's all I got. But before I sign off, there's one thing I do feel that I need to bring up. And this is a legal tip. Because you know that we, we have a legal thing going. My husband's an attorney. I was 25 years deputy clerk in the General Sessions Court. I have a lot of friends who are attorneys. Lots of friends who are judges and former retired judges or retired judges. I have police officer friends. So trust me that I am qualified to say this when I say this. Rebel canners. If you are just getting into canning and you are getting on these websites where these people are talking about rebel canning methods, follow at your own risk. And the reason that I say this is because if you willfully neglect to follow proper safe canning methods and you injure or kill someone, you can be charged with a felony such as involuntary manslaughter and you could face prison time. And on top of that, you could be sued civilly with a civil lawsuit for punitive damages and they can come after every bit of your assets. I don't know that that's a risk I would want to take. There's things I would love to be able to can. I see things and I think, oh, that would be so cool. But it's not safe. 
And that's all well and good doing the my kitchen, my rules stuff. That's fine. I'm all for freedom. All for you doing, you do you. But that ceases, you know, that, that right ends where someone else's rights begin. If you feed that food that you have improperly canned to another human being, it's no longer your kitchen, your rules. You are putting another person's life in danger. And that's something that you really, really, really need to think about when you're looking at And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I want people to preserve their food. You know, there is a safe preservation method for just about anything you want to preserve. But you don't have to do it in a way that is rebel canners just so you can stick it to the man. You know, there are some things that are out there for our benefit. There is some information that is out there for our protection. Not everything is a conspiracy. If everything is a conspiracy, then nothing is a conspiracy. Just really, really think about that. Like I said, I don't want you to be scared to can. But if you knowingly feed that to somebody else, and it does not matter if it's a stranger or if it's a family member or if you sold it or gave it away or served it for dinner, the consequences are the same. When you can things, follow safe canning methods. That is all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to keep harping on it. I just want to give you a little food for thought thought, because I don't want to see anybody end up in a legal situation or more importantly, I don't want to see anybody dead or with severe neurological issues or on a ventilator. Just because somebody wanted to go against the grain and just do their own thing for their own purpose. Because that's, that's not a reason to do anything. If you're just doing it to rebel, it's not a valid reason. So, that's all I'm going to say. With that, thank you so much for tuning in. <sighs> I hope you enjoyed today's topic. I hope you enjoyed the updates. I'll keep you updated on the Jersey Girls and what's going on because there's there's some drama out there in the pasture. But if you like the podcast, it would be really great if you could subscribe and leave a review. It helps people to find our podcast. And you can find us at thegoramhomestead.com and on all the socials as just the Gorham Homestead. And whatever you've got on the docket for today. Just remember, y'all, to keep it real. See y'all. My daddy was a guitar picker, playing all the local clubs. And my mama was a waitress with a park and maintained with the trucks. So we didn't have much money, times were kind of hard. Living in a trailer on the edge of Grandpa's farm.